Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 178. I effed up. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number four from Julia D'Amico. And as with her previous message, we will be breaking out of the podcast timeline and turn back to the fall of 1989. The message is five seconds long. Here we go. Paul, it's me, Julia. Somehow I fucked up. I t- oh my goodness. Swearing is such my Achilles heel. And it's terrible. I'm raising teenagers. This is fall of 1989. I know you said you, you worked at um, Bartlett. Did you, you worked at the gymnasium. So did you do that all four years or...? Um, I didn't do it for all four years, but I did it, you know, for a little while. And then, um, and then I worked in the Regenstein Library in the back office, one of those kind of jobs. Um, at the same time that I was doing that, Bun- our friend Bundy was working in bookbinding, like down on the ground, you know, below the ground level. And I remember he worked there um, at that same time because sometimes we would have coffee together. Did you meet Bundy through Jason? Yep. Can you tell me again how you met Jason? I mean, that's funny. I don't remember exactly. Oh. I do remember two things, though. But one, I remember we had just gotten a phone in our dorm room that I was sharing. It was like we were sharing it among, like, two rooms and four people or something. And I remember he asked me for my phone number. So it must have been in a party or something. And we had just gotten the phone, and I was having trouble remembering it. So I remember I wrote down, I was like, I think it's this number. No, wait, maybe it's this number. And I remember him commenting. It was. It wound up, I wrote, like, three or four numbers on it. It was, like, the last number. And he said, it was the last number you wrote down. I called all these numbers first. And you didn't have a phone before? No, it was our neighbor in the Broadview. She had this scheme for how we would get a landline. I think it was just the three of us shared it. And so, like, we would take messages for each other. But before then, there must have been a way for people to contact you in the dorm. The front desk or something? I don't know. Oh, I know. There was a phone for each floor. Because before we had the landline, that's how I would call home. Do you remember your first date? Yeah, I do. So he um, made me dinner. He made rice, and he put orange juice on it, and like I don't know, like pineapples in it or something. It was not good. And he, and it, of course, he didn't look at a recipe or anything. Which then, you know, at the time, I was like, I don't really know this person, but now this seems very Jason to me. He had a whole explanation of it. You don't remember anything about his explanation. It was long. I remember that. Um, It was definitely connected to something he had eaten in Hawaii, maybe? But he literally made white rice and poured orange juice and served it to me for dinner. It was really disgusting. Just rice with butter probably would have been an improvement. That was the dinner. There was alcohol, too. And the alcohol now, in retrospect, was something very sweet, if I remember correctly. So... He would joke, like, he made me rice and poured orange juice on it, and I didn't leave. When I first heard Julia describe Jason's dinner dish, mixing orange juice with rice, it sounded utterly bizarre. As I mentioned many episodes back, the fall of 87 
when this date took place, I was couch surfing for a month or so at Jason's apartment. And though I saw some strange, often weed-inspired food concoctions, this one seemed to come straight out of a children's book, a la Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham. But when I googled orange juice and rice, to my surprise, hundreds of recipes popped up, ranging from orange rice pilaf to Mexican orange rice, which, given Jason grew up in San Diego, could have been something he learned there. The oldest recipe that I could find in print that combined these two ingredients came from the June 23, 1901 edition of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Under a list of summer desserts comes this recipe for orange rice. Parboil a quarter pound of rice for 10 minutes in water to which a little salt has been added. Drain, put into milk, and boil until the rice is soft. Beat together the yolks of three eggs, half a teaspoonful of vanilla sugar, a cupful of orange custard, and a cupful of orange syrup, and stir into the rice. Add the grated rind of an orange, take from the fire, and when almost cold, stir in one and one and a half gills of orange juice. Cool and freeze. Whip a cupful of thick cream with three teaspoonfuls of sugar and stir into the frozen mixture. Pack into molds and leave on salt and ice for a few hours. In 1986, the Chicago Tribune published an article about David Wilson, the so-called Kitchen Casanova, that describes a night of seduction with a dinner of orange juice-flavored rice and flounder. Perhaps this is where Jason got his idea for a first-date meal. Unfortunately, he forgot about the flounder. Turning to the technological, the story of Julia's struggle to share her phone number with Jason provides another example of a practice made obsolete by the cell phone. Today, sharing digits can be done on the spot by simply sending a text. At least Julia had a direct line to her room. For most dorm residents at the time, receiving a phone call required first calling the front desk of the dormitory, at which point the operator would connect the caller to a phone located on the resident's floor. Next, it required someone on the floor willing to answer the phone and then knock on the recipient's door. In my second year of college, I took a work-study job as the receptionist at the front desk of Burton Judson Courts. It was 1984, and Burton Judson still had an old-fashioned switchboard. When a call came in, I had to plug in a cable to answer and then ask what floor the caller was trying to reach. I then plugged the cable's other end into the corresponding slot 
and pressed a little lever to ring the floor's phone. I worked the night shift from Sunday eve to Monday morning, and it wreaked havoc on my circadian rhythm. Not only would I struggle to stay awake for my Monday classes, but the rest of the week I could not fall asleep at night. I remember getting up at 1 a.m. to do push-ups, hoping it would exhaust me, or downing Bacardi shots as a sedative. Neither proved very useful. I am very curious when Burton Judson replaced that old telephone switchboard, but despite hours of research, I could not find the answer. I did, however, find a 2009 article from the Chicago Tribune headlined, Disappearing Act, Old School Landline Phones Losing Grip on Campuses, that announced how most colleges had removed landlines from dorms, due, of course, to the rise of cell phones. If you have memories of operating a dormitory switchboard or mixing orange juice and rice, contact me at pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Many thanks to Julia for her story of a date in the late 80s. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.